Good morning. Did anybody else watch that video like, eh, what's going to happen? I, I've seen it three times and I still did it. Hey, real quick, uh, thank you for coming this morning. I want to very quickly thank, uh, he, he doesn't know I'm doing this, Matthew Beatty. Uh, Matthew and his team made it so nice for us to get in here this morning. And you need to know the prime team member of his team this morning was his wife, Trace. So thank you as well. This actually reminds me of the day, how many of you were here the day this building opened, 1997? All right, you're just going to have to go with me on this. Since not everybody was here, there were 57 inches of snow that morning. And I was here. I was here because my parents made me come, that's why, and they gave me a ride. So anyhow, thank you for taking the time to make it here this morning. And uh, I, here's what I want to do. I want to read you one and a quarter verses of this book that we're going to be in for the next couple months. If you couldn't tell from the video, it's the book of Jonah. Let me read this to you. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so, so far, so good. The word of the Lord has come to one of his messengers, one of the prophets. And then there are these two words in the beginning of verse 2, but Jonah. But Jonah, which tells you where this is going, doesn't it? But Jonah, you've been in these situations where you're in a discussion with somebody and they say, yeah, I agree, but what does that mean? It means I don't agree. It means I don't agree. Yeah, but means no. It means I completely disagree with you. But Jonah, it, it says as it goes on, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Why do you think Jonah ran? Why do you think he ran? I mean, it might be helpful if you, if you could think about all the different reasons we run. Right? I mean, you have that kind of run that when you're late for somewhere, it's a, it's a I want to be on time kind of a run. I don't think this was that kind of a run. There's, there's another, uh, there's like an inspired running, Chariots of Fire. You can hear the song right now. It, it, it's, the, it's the kind of running that comes with competition. I don't think this was this, that kind of a run. There's the slow motion in love run, you know, in the movies. When two people who love each other are slow motion running toward one another. It's, it's actually how my wife, Kara, greets me when I get home from work at the end of the day. This slow motion, like, not slow running. I, I mean, like, never mind, I'm going to keep going because this isn't going well. Um, there's also a joyful run. It made me think of, is Andre here? Andre Stobline. Okay, so we have somebody in the youth group, Andre, who, the, I see him running all over Littleton. Okay, and he will log miles and miles and miles. And on mile one, Andre's got a smile on his face. And by mile eight, Andre, you, if you're driving by him, there's still a smile. It will make you sick. It will make you absolutely sick. You think, how do you do that? I don't think this was that kind of a run. There's a fearful run. Fearful run is, uh, I remember third grade, there was this kid much bigger than me, a year older than me. His name was Barry, and Barry was a bully. And Barry one day decided to wear a blue shirt, and so I called him Blueberry. And I have never run so fast in my life. <laughs> ever, ever. Now, he never caught me, by the way. Um, but maybe, maybe this was a fearful run 
But if you were to look, if you were to look at the original language that the book of Jonah was written in, you know what you would see? You'd see God's command says, rise and go, Jonah. And then when you look at what Jonah did, it said he rose and fled. See, rise and go, and he rose and fled. Can you hear the difference there? It's just a little bit of a shift in the language, but it's two drastically different directions. This was really an uncooperative run. This was God saying, Jonah, I'm going to invite you to run with me. And Jonah decided, no, I'm going to run from you. I'm going to run from you. And so Jonah's issue is really the exact same issue that you and I have. That when we think about who knows best for our life, we all have to come up against the question, does he know best or do I know best? Now, if I were to look at the first verse that we just read, there are a few words that jump out to me that I believe would jump out for all of us if we paused on them for a minute. First was the word Jonah. Okay, Jonah hears this word from God, and I have to think, man, he was probably even wondering, as I've often wondered in my own life, God, why me? Why are you coming to me? Because Jonah and you and I, we all have a set of filters that we view ourselves through, don't we? See, Jonah, as, as we'll discover as we walk through the book, he was very much a, a nationalist. Many scholars believe he was an ardent nationalist who was out for the interests of his own nation. And it had even been part of his, his previous um, prophesying that he had done. And so there's a very good case to be made that Jonah was very much about his country. And it's not, but it's possible, it's possible he heard God's word through that lens. And I sit there and I think about God's word to me, and oftentimes there are more filters than I'm willing to admit that I am, that I am hearing that word through. Because don't we all hear his word to us through a set of filters? You know, if, if you align with a certain denomination, a political affiliation, an Enneagram number, you know, maybe it's a nationality, there are all kinds of ways that we can hear his word to us. And then as I keep looking at that passage, there's another word that jumps out, Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And if you were to, if you were to do some research into Assyria at that time, they could basically be labeled a terrorist state. You could label Assyria a terrorist state. These were brutal, brutal people. And they had a very brutal, brutal military. They, they would have instances where they would... Um, after they had done what they had done to, to those that they opposed, they were known to shake the hands of the dying. They, they would just absolutely, and it did not matter what generations they came up against or anything like that. It didn't matter the nation. They were absolutely brutal. And I sat there and I thought about that and I thought, man, how often do I hear God's word to me in relation to somebody else through the filter of who they are? Because don't we put people up on pedestals? And when they disappoint us, it's, we magnify the disappointment. Or sometimes people don't get a, they don't even get a chance with us because we start them in the pit. And if they happen to surprise us, we minimize it, don't we? Yeah, there are all kinds of ways that we do this. The other word that jumps out here as I look at it is preach against. Jonah, I want you to go and preach against. Now, if I hear that today in 2020, I think, oh, 
preach against, that's, that's hard to think about doing. I don't love the idea of preach against, but as we go through the book, you'll see that I don't think preaching against would have been an issue for Jonah because Jonah was not a fan of the Ninevites one bit. If Jonah had his way, he would have gone and screamed at him, most likely. What Jonah, as we go and as you'll see, was truly most nervous about was that God would maybe relent. See, his message was to be judgment. And his message was to be wrath. And he was fine when, when the message under King Jeroboam was, was to prophesy the security of the borders. But when it came to the message of wrath, Jonah actually thought a couple steps down the line. And he thought, well, what if this actually works? What if they get so convicted that they turn, they repent, if they turn from their ways? God, I, I know your character enough to know you'll be compassionate on that. And what Jonah was actually possibly upset about was that God would actually have mercy on a people that Jonah was absolutely hardened toward. And as I look at all that and I think about Jonah, I recognize a lot of myself in his shoes. And I sit there and I think about this word of the Lord that came to him and I, I just, this question came to mind. And it's a question I've been chewing on and it's a question I hope we'll chew on. Is God's word my direction or is it a suggestion? Is God's word my direction or a suggestion? Because if I see it as a suggestion, you know what I'll do? I'll run. We will all run. And the thing that Jonah couldn't see about himself was that he needed somebody more than himself to be able to get out of this and to be able to see. I mean, it's kind of like the question, maybe you've pondered this before, who cleans the dentist's teeth? I mean, can a dentist do his own dental exam? Some of you are getting light bulbs right now. I know I sat with that this week too. I mean, can a, dental do his own, a dentist do his own dental work? Can a chiropractor adjust his own back? Can a surgeon do his own surgery? No. Or, or maybe just to land this personally, can Nathan go with his wife's grocery list to the store and take care of the groceries? And the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, you should see it. Every, every time I leave for the store with her list, I just tell her, keep your phone by you, because a call is coming. And I'll be sitting there in the aisle, and I'm going, honey, I, I can't find it. I, I don't see, I don't see what, it, even what you've listed here. I, you should have just come and done this yourself. And she usually starts with, well, what, what aisle are you on? And I look around, and I go, oh, my gosh. Lumber. I'm on the lumber aisle right now. <laughs> and she's like, you're at Home Depot, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. See, and that's really how it is for most of us. We cannot see as completely as God sees us. We just can't. Most of us, we're not even in the wrong aisle. We're in the wrong store altogether. See, Jonah's issue is the, he can't see what sin has done and how sin has affected him. And, and I know that's hard. We hear the word sin, and we think, I don't want to think that's my issue. I don't want to think that I have a sinful nature, but you have to be reminded, Paul, Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, 
Okay, think about this for a minute. Paul had his conversion, and it was this incredible conversion. It's, a, it's an amazing story. Do you want to know when he wrote, wrote Romans? 22 to 25 years after that conversion. And in chapter 7 of Romans, what Paul says is all the things I want to do, I don't do them. And all the things I hate to do, I do them. Because the sinful nature is still at work. It's still trying to get me. And, and that's why when we hear God's word, even if we've professed that Jesus is Lord, you know what we do? We sometimes take it as a suggestion. And when we do that, all you have to do is read the next verse of Jonah. I mean, we're only going three verses in today. As you look at the next two verses of Jonah, you discover what happens when you take God's word as a suggestion. Okay, the first thing that happens is, is we, we will run miles and miles and miles. I want, you to, I want you to read verse two here. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, it's one thing to read this, but I want you to see on a map, okay? I want to I show you how close to Nineveh Jonah was when he was called, okay? Take a look at this. There's, you can't see it down below, but that point A, that point A is a town named Gath Heifer. Gath Heifer, okay? And that dotted line ends in Nineveh, and it's about 550 to 600 miles away. And so God is saying, listen, they're, they're not in your immediate, immediate community, but they're close. Tarshish, where most scholars believe Tarshish is, is near, this is the eastern end of the Mediterranean, okay? Tarshish is on the far other end of the Mediterranean. Most scholars believe that. There are a few different spots that they think, but they're all around that far, 2,200 to 2,500 miles away. See, the first thing that happens when we think that God's word is a suggestion is we will go to great lengths to avoid it. We'll go to great, great lengths to avoid it. I mean, just think about, just think about when God says, I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. And if you're like me, you've had the experience where you go, well, that's nice, Lord, and that's what you think, but let me tell you what I think. I'm going to carry a grudge. And I'm going to carry this burden. And isn't it true that maybe a week can go by or a couple months can go by or years can go by of carrying this burden? And you feel like you have gone on that kind of a journey, don't you? Because all the energy that's gone, all the strength, all that you're just worn out. We're absolutely worn out when we see God's word as a suggestion. Second thing that happens, next part of the verse. He went down to Joppa. This was on the way, so he was going to find a port that wasn't too far from his town, where he found a ship bound for that port. Now, that word found just jumped out to me as I was looking at it because I thought it is amazing our capacity to find or distort evidence to favor what we've already decided on doing, isn't it? He showed up in Joppa, he decide, he's decided to go the other direction. He goes, oh, look at that. There's a ship going right for where I'm going. If you were alive today, you know what he'd say? It was such an open door. It, it was such a God thing. Look, it was like he just brought it all together. And if you're sitting here reading this, you're going, Jonah. No, but in the broader context, you've already decided to run from the Lord. 
You, you remember, how many of you remember Dumb and Dumber? I nearly played the clip, but I, I just spaced getting it. But you remember Lloyd Christmas? Toward the end of the movie, he gets to marry this woman he's in love with, and he stands face to face with her, and he says, what do you think of the chances of a guy like you and a girl like me, which is already funny by itself, and a girl like me getting together? And she says, not good, not good. He says, well, not good like one in a hundred? And she goes, no, not good like one in a million. And what's his response? So you're saying there's a chance because he just absolutely misinterpreted her word. And it's what we do when we've decided the direction we're going. You can really make any set of circumstances. Say what you need them to say, can't you? But the overall direction for Jonah is running from the Lord. See, not only do we go to great lengths to avoid it, but we will manufacture what he meant by it. There's a third thing that happens in this verse. After paying the fare. After paying the fare. That is, Jonah looked around. He said, can I pay it? Reached into his pocket. Grabbed out the money. He said, yeah, I can pay it. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. There's a man named A.W. Tozer who he says, what a, what a pity. What a pity that God wants to do these impossible things with us, and instead he finds us planning things that we can only do on our own. In other words, we run. We run on our own resources, don't we? That's what happens when we take God's word as a suggestion. We go to great lengths to avoid it. We, we can manufacture what he meant, and we'll run on our own resources. I was reminded of this just yesterday. I think it was in the last month and a half, I told you about going sledding with Lincoln, and we went with a, a plastic sled that was maybe a sixteenth of an inch thick, and my back paid the price that following week. Well, for Christmas, Lincoln and Nathan, Lincoln got this inflatable tube, and it's like 15 inches of air between you and the ground. We went sledding yesterday after we had had donuts. We went sledding. I'm pretty sure we ran over like four children, two parents, a dog. Didn't feel a thing. It was bliss. Absolutely amazing. But the trudge back up the hill, when did I feel the donuts? Yeah, it was the trudge back up the hill. Because that's what happens. I remember in high school. It took me back to high school. I could go to McDonald's for lunch and then go to gym class and I'd be just fine. Now, you don't dare. You don't dare. That's what happens. And so as you look at all this, you know, I think we see this. We look at Jonah's story, and it's easy to go, well, just try harder, and just do better, and just discern better, and just, just be wiser, Jonah. Let me go back to verse 1 for a minute, because the answer is not found in any of our strength and our wisdom or any of that. See, as I look at verse 1, there's really the gospel all over it. Let's read it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And we're used to reading this and you think of a prophet named Jonah who fled. But can you imagine as you read this, can you imagine if our Savior, when God said to him, I want you to go to that broken world 
I want you to go to that place that's full of people, that are difficult. Maybe he could call, he could refer to all of humankind as a terrorist state. Would you go to all of them and preach against them? Can you imagine if Jesus fled? But he didn't, because on the night that all of his disciples fled, you know what he did? He stayed put. God, not my will, thy will be done. And here's what's uncomfortable about this. We see that term preach against, and it brings up images of his judgment and his wrath, and it should. Because one of the things we don't talk about often enough, maybe, is his judgment and his wrath. And here's what happens. When we minimize judgment and wrath, then we also minimize our gratitude for the saving act that Jesus stepped into on our behalf. It's interesting to think about. It's easy to think of the cross as like when you go up to the store counter and I, you know, I'm a few cents short and they've got that little bin of change that they just pull a few pennies out. It's easy to look at the cross and go, well, thanks, Lord, I appreciate that. But we have to understand what exactly we were saved from. And so God, so God looked at his son and he said, go, go to them. Go to them. And I don't know about you, but I'm not just thanks, Lord, but it's, Lord, thank you with everything in me that you did not flee from that. And so we have to ask ourselves a question because at the core of this question for Jonah, is God's word his direction or a suggestion? There's something underneath it. It's who does Jonah and who do you and who do I really believe he is. Is he Lord? The question I'd ask is, who is he? Really? And you need to add in really. We all need to add in really. And if you're sitting here today and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I'd invite you to ponder that question. Who is he? Is he direction for your life? Are you, are you tired of going to great lengths to avoid him? Are you tired of trying to manufacture meaning in the circumstances and, and everything else? Are you tired of running on your own resources? He says, look, I can sustain you. If you're here and he is Lord, is he Lord really? Or is he a weapon? Is he a second opinion? Does he represent maybe a nationality? Does he represent a, a political affiliation? Or is he Lord, because it goes so much deeper than all of that. So much deeper than all of that. Who is he really? And if he's Lord, here's the beauty of this. Then he says, my word. My word isn't just for you. My word can sustain you. In other words, when you run, it will be a running with. And when you run, it's not a running away. It's not an exhausting running. It is running with him. And his word becomes a source of life that he uses to sustain us. If you and I are here this morning and we call him Lord, then it means when I hear his word, that is my way. There is no second opinion. It's not a suggestion. When I hear his word, it's my way. And you know what he looks at you and he looks at me and says? 
He says, you have a Nineveh. But what Jesus did is he expanded the boundaries and the borders of Nineveh. He said, it's actually the world, the world. It's not just Nineveh anymore. It's the whole world go and make disciples of all nations. It's God saying, I want you to get out of your box and I want you to get into theirs because I desire for them to know Jesus and to know life abundant. And so there's one question left as we begin this series. Which way will we run? Which way will we run? I'm going to invite the worship team up and we'll close. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you again that you are a God, that you look at us and maybe you see, maybe you saw in Jonah all his preferences and all his filters that he viewed himself and he viewed the Ninevites and he viewed even the task you asked him to carry out. Maybe you see all those filters and reservations and obstacles in place. And yet, in spite of all of it, you bring your word to Jonah and you bring your word to us. And you sent your son to us, not only to save us, but to give us your sustaining word that allows us to live resurrected, resurrection lives. Lord, as we begin, Jonah, will you just write that very thing on our heart? Would you maybe unearth some answers to us? Do we see your word as direction or a suggestion? And if we don't like the answer to what we come up with there, would you remind us that you still sit with us anyway? and you still send your word to us anyway, that there's no condemnation in your eyes, all we have to do is to ask you to truly be Lord, to be Lord of our lives and look forward to your word as the source of sustaining a resurrected life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.